the book of Esther, and we're going to be in chapter 4 of the book of Esther. Esther chapter 4. And we have some understanding of what's going to happen. We have some understanding of the consternation that Mordecai feels. We have some of the understanding of what Esther is going to feel. And having that in front of us, having been able to read ahead, remember they're living it day by day. We're getting to look at it from ahead and see all that is going on and how God is going to providentially watch over his people and care for them and deliver them. And as I think about situations like this in our own lives, there are two verses of scripture that I'd like to read before we go to the book of the book of Esther chapter 4. Keep your finger there and turn with me to the book of Isaiah for just a moment. There isn't any of us that have had, not had issues face us. Some are larger than others, and sometimes they're quite large for us, but they may not be that significant to others around us. But they are issues. And here, if you turn with me to the book of Isaiah chapter 40, we read here in Isaiah chapter 40 some glorious verses of scripture that God left the church, that left his people. In Isaiah chapter 40, beginning with verse 27, this wonderful passage of scripture that Isaiah the prophet of old left us. It says, Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel? Isaiah 40, verse 27, My way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God. God's not paying any attention. Now, I don't know how Mordecai I completely felt. I've never been in such a situation, and I don't know how Esther felt because I've never been completely in that situation. But I know that they were, felt in trouble. They knew that there had been an edict that went out. Esther's going to discover it. Mordecai already knows about it. And the children of Israel that are there in that land, they are in deep mourning. Now it goes on to tell us, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, Isaiah 40, verse 28, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. What a glorious thing for the church to discover. He's not ever caught up with a situation. He's not ever second. He's not ever learning from the newspaper. And then he goes on to say, he giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, and they shall mount up with the wings as eagles. They shall run and not weary, and they shall walk and not faint. So we know that, by and large, this is talking about spiritual things for us, that the Lord keeps us in his hand. He revives us. He brings his very name to our attention. He brings his power and his might to our attention so that we will not be totally lost in our own mind. And then in another passage of scripture found over in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 4 beginning with verse 14. In Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14 we have these, these wonderful words to the church. Oh that we have the privilege of coming before his throne of grace not meekly, but boldly. 
Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest. Seeing then we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens. Now, what does that mean? He's resurrected. He accomplished everything he said he would do. He paid full down payment and in full for all the sins of all of his people. And God is so pleased with all his work that he brought him forth out of the sepulcher, brought him to life, and he is now sitting at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. We have a great high priest who has entered into the heavens. He's not walking around the temple. He's not trying to find a place to sit down. He's not trying to do what those priests in the Old Testament could never do. Number one, he did not die and have to have his son take on the high priesthood. And two, he accomplished it by the sacrifice of himself and now has entered in once into the heavens. And then in verse 4, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. We are infirm. <laughs> And we have great infirmities. It doesn't take very long to study the word of God to find out what we inherited from Adam, and it's not good. But the Lord said, He has been touched with the feeling of our infirmities, yet without sin, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. We thank Him. He's entered into the heavens. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, as I look at Mordecai out there in sackcloth and ashes, I almost feel that this is where he is. He is bringing this whole situation to the Lord. He is bringing what is happening to the Lord. He has the ability and privilege to come before the throne of grace, even before the Lord came born of a virgin, and went to the cross and died and arose again and ascended to the Father. He had the same comfort that we have because God had promised it. It will be. So as we go back here to the book of Esther now, keep those thoughts in mind. And that's just two places we could have turned to see that God oversees all things and he is with his people and he's not turning them loose. He's not letting them bounce around. He is their God. And uh, he is sitting at the right hand of the Father. Now, going back to the book of Esther now, there's, there's some things that are going to happen here that uh, are in the, in the minds of Mordecai and the minds of Esther. And we're going to see that there's someone, and it's only a cameo shot, someone is going to be asked by Esther to do something. And there's where we're going to spend our time tonight. What a blessing is open to all the church and all the members, the spiritual body of all the elect in every generation has had the great pleasure of coming to the throne of grace. The throne of grace is always open to the children of God. There's never a sign, oh, to go and find that the store is closed just when you need it. To go somewhere and find they're on vacation. Uh, the doctor's out. You know, I had a friend telling me that uh, he was in serious. His friend of his was in serious trouble, but the, all the doctors had gone on vacation. <laughs> Whoa. Anyway, there's no time that God takes off. All right. Here in verse five of Esther chapter four. Esther chapter four and verse five. 
let's look at this first. It says, well, let me back up here just a little bit. We'll read to give some uh, outline here. In verse 3, in every province, whithersoever the king's commandment and his decree came, there was great mourning among the Jews, and fasting, and weeping, and wailing. Many lay in sackcloth and ashes. So Esther's maids and her chamberlains came and told it her. Then was the queen exceedingly grieved, and she sent raiment to clothe Mordecai. Did you notice that word right there, there's Esther's maids, and then it tells us, then was the queen. Let us keep in mind where she is. She's been put in a high place some years before this, and we're going to find out that she's there on purpose. Always has been, ever will be, she's there on purpose. The queen was exceedingly grieved. Why? For her cousin. She has no idea what her cousin has heard. She has not seen the writing. She hasn't heard the report. She's only heard that her cousin is out there in sackcloth and ashes and grieving to the bone because of the message that has been sent out by Haman and his henchmen. Then the queen was exceedingly grieved, and she sent raiment to clothe Mordecai and to take away his sackcloth from him, but he received it not. I have nothing to do with fresh clothes. I will stay where I am until this situation is abated. Now, we have a cameo. There's a man mentioned four times in the book of Esther, right here, close together. And he is a chamberlain that the king has given her. Now, the word chamberlain is a kind word for saying eunuch. The translator said, let's be careful, we don't offend anybody, so we'll call him a chamberlain. Well, he was a head guy in the king's household, and the king had put this man to watch over the queen. Now, I read this, no despot is ever exempt from twofold torture, jealousy and suspicion. And no doubt, there is a little bit of both that caused King Ahasuerus to place one of his top men in the household of his wife. Now, she's going to say she has not seen her husband for a month. She's going to inform us of that. So she is going to tell us here that this person has been placed there. Notice here, then called Esther Hatech, one of the king's chamberlains whom he had appointed to attend upon her. Now this is quite interesting when we think about it that this man is in the household of Esther at the behest of her husband the king of the Persian Empire. Now if he put her there because he was suspicious or if he put her there because he might be jealous so be it. But he is in exactly the right place at the right time, and we're not going to learn much about this guy, except it tells us here that Esther gave him a commandment to go to Mordecai. Now, you know, for just a moment, we're going to have all of the greater actors of this book sit down. And we're going to have a cameo 
of one individual. Now we're going to have um, the king and the queen. They're set aside for a moment. We have Haman and Mordecai set aside for a moment. We have the mourning Jews and those, those Amalekites stop for a moment. They're going to be let out and, and uh, Esther's servant who is appointed by the king to f a faithful servant to stand before us and in his undistinguished honesty or distinguished honesty and simplicity is going to do an errand. He is here on purpose. Do you remember how I've said several times that God is the director and the church are the actors and everything else is props? Well, here's one of the props. He is put in the right place at the right time by a king for whatever reason. When I read that about a king putting someone in a position like that, probably was true. He probably was jealous. He didn't want Esther messing around. And also, he probably didn't want her conspiring with anybody without knowledge. So here he is. Now, I don't think Esther had any interest in doing either one of those, but Kings in high places and people in high places are exactly that. They're jealous and they have a feeling I'm going to protect myself. All right. So she sent Hathach. He is mentioned in the book of Esther in chapter 4 by name four times. And we never hear from him again. I need my truest and best that I may know what is, what does it say here? It says, and gave him commandment to Mordecai so Esther could know what it was and why it was. What is your problem? Now, he didn't tell those maidens that he sent, and he didn't tell the sub-chamberlains or the under eunuchs, he is this one special individual is put here on purpose to do this. You know, as I look at this, I can see such a similarity between this one person and what we find in the scripture about how the Holy Spirit handles our business for us. Someone is sent. The king has sent this. Now, I would like to read just a few verses that you all know. But every time I read them, I get blessed. And one of them is found over in the book of Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis chapter 1, we read something about the blessing of the Spirit of God. Genesis chapter 1 verse 2. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2. We find that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth... And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And now who are we introduced to? And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Oh, my goodness. That's what God does. God, the Holy Spirit, does all the time. He's moving on dead things. He's coming upon dead things, things that are out of sorts, out of business. They're dead in trespasses and sin. We are introduced there in the book of John chapter 3. You must be born again. And the, Holy, or the Lord goes on to say, 
so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. He does his business without our permission because we don't have the ability or grace to grant it. I've mentioned to you about that preacher that said that Lazarus had to get permission before the Lord could raise him. Now, that's the, that is the height of idiocracy. That's the height of foolishness. That's stupidity. But, you know, there's no end to it when people have the, in their minds, natural minds, set in their natural minds, how God saves people, and they have to be involved in it. So every type and shadow and picture has to have the same thing. So we just look, well, my goodness. Well, except for the grace of God, <laughs> there go I. Well, let's move into the book of Isaiah chapter 40. In Isaiah chapter 40, we have, again, the Spirit of God sharing with us. Isaiah chapter 40. Now, this is just reminded me as this man is sent by the queen. Don't you and I as the church ask the Holy Spirit? Now, we remember that when we honor Christ, we're honoring the Holy Spirit. And when we honor Christ, we're honoring the Father. And Jesus himself said that the Spirit will speak of me. It's his business to translate me into your hearts and minds. All right, here in the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, verse 12. Isaiah, chapter 40, and verse 12 says, Who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and meted out heaven with a span and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains and scales and the hills in a balance? You just take all of that and sum it up in one sentence, and that's what you get. It's mighty. God is almighty doing what he, he knows everything. You know, God knows every molecule of his created universe. He knows the number of hair on our head. He knows our heart inside and outward. And he knows all about us. And he goes, who hath directed the spirit of the Lord? Or been his counselor or taught him? Who, with whom took he counsel? And who instructed him and taught him the path of judgment? You know, dead people can't instruct. And even saved people cannot instruct the Holy Spirit. We may ask, oh God, send your spirit. Oh God, I... I have children that teach you. Taught him language, showed him the way of understanding. Behold, the nations are as a drop in a bucket and are counted as the small dust of the balance. Behold, he taketh up the aisles as a very small thing. All right, turn with me to John. We're going to go to the John for just a moment, and we find out this wonderful thing. Now, Hatach is going to go to Mordecai. And he is going to question him, and Mordecai is going to give him all the information. He didn't do it for the maidens, and he didn't do it for the subunics, but he is going to do it for the queen's ambassador. Now look here in the book of John, John chapter 14, 15, and 16. One verse out of each one of those. John chapter 14, verse 17. This is glorious. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth in you, and shall be in you. Spirit of truth. That is who reveals to us the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Next chapter, chapter 15, we find out about the spirit. Chapter 15, and there in verse 
26, I believe it is. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. The Spirit of God is only going to reveal things from the Word of God. And he will not reveal different things to different people that are in conflict with each other. He is going to always reveal the truth. It is the truth as in Christ Jesus. It is the truth of the gospel. He will never go in conflict with that. We're going to see that this ambassador that uh, uh, Esther sends out is only interested in one thing. He's going to go out, retrieve it, and bring it right back. All right, let's look in chapter 16 now. Chapter 16 and verse 13. In chapter 16 and verse 13, we have these words recorded. It says, Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, the spirit of truth, if someone comes along and said, Jesus Christ did not die for the sheep, he died for everybody, that's not the spirit of God. The spirit of God reveals the word of God and it's not in conflict with each other. We find the Spirit of God revealing the whole passage of Scripture, not just one verse of Scripture out of context. So the Holy Spirit is so powerful. We find that it was the Holy Spirit that sent Philip out to a man in the desert. The Spirit of God spoke to him. And you know what? It was the Spirit of God that spoke to Paul and says, No, I'm not going to have you go over there. He wanted to go to a place to do what? Preach the gospel. That's all he knew. Christ and him crucified. And the Holy Spirit withheld him. And he headed out for another direction and the Holy Spirit withheld him again. And you know what? The Lord sent him a vision from a man from Macedonia, come over and help us. And that's where he went. The Spirit of God did that. I just think about how God has moved in our lives to do exactly what he has determined to do before the foundation of the world moved us we said how in the world did we ever get here because of the spirit of god all right we find that the spirit of god is likewise the spirit also helpeth our infirmities he says you know by nature even by by new nature by christ in us we do not know how to pray as we ought but the Spirit of God helpeth our infirmities. And we find that the natural man can't see it because the Spirit of God hath not revealed it unto him. There is a passage over here in the book of 1 Corinthians 12. Would you turn there with me? 1 Corinthians 12 is so interesting to read this passage of Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses, uh, beginning with verse 4. It doesn't matter about the diversities of gifts. There is one spirit. There's not multiple spirits. There's one spirit, and the spirit of God never reveals contrary things to people. He doesn't reveal this contrary thing to this person and a contrary thing to someone else in conflict. They're always going to be in harmony. The spirit's revelation will always be in harmony. That's why we can go out and find somebody and the first thing they start talking about is Jesus Christ and him crucified and how he is glorious to me and I love him with all my heart and he revealed himself to me and we say I think I've always known you why 
because the Spirit has revealed to that person what he's revealed to us. We don't have to go much further. Well, what do you do? What do you take for the Lord's Supper? That's irrelevant. That's one of those things that the, my dear friend, Brother Henry, said, that's not the issue. The issue is Christ. We find out there's so many things that the Holy Spirit reveals to everybody that's ever been saved, and we have fellowship in that. Just fellowship. May never have met him before, and here we are. Our friend up there in, in uh, Canada, my goodness, it doesn't take long to visit with him and say, whoa, hallelujah. And Mike has mentioned a number of times in reading one of those books how people would travel miles and miles under persecution and find one person and they'd say, oh, it's so good. I knew there was someone else. <laughs> well, it says, now there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. My it may have differences, but there's going to be one Lord, and the Lord is always going to give the same instructions. There are diversities of operations, but the same God, which worketh all in all. So we have the same Spirit, the same Lord, and the same God. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Who, do, who gives it? The Spirit. Why does he give it? Because it's going to be a profit to the church and a profit from him. For to one is given the spirit of the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing. Now, look that word up. It doesn't mean that I could go over here and heal somebody. It has the, uh, much more close to our level on that verse. And then, but the same spirit... And to another, the working of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, discerning of spirits, to another, diverse kinds of tongues, another, to interpretation of tongues, but the self-same spirit, it says in verse 11, dividing to every man severally as he will. So whatever gift you have, it is given by the Holy Spirit, and they will always be in complement to every other gift ever given. They will not be in conflict. And I have found out that among God's people... God's people are not jealous of someone else's gift because it complements the whole. And we, I wouldn't have that if we didn't have this. If they didn't have that gift, we wouldn't have that gift. And since they have that gift, we have that gift. We can, we're a whole now. Not all can be the eye, not all can be the ear, not all. Well, when he comes, he will glorify me. Esther. Let's go back to the book of Esther now. In the book of Esther chapter 5, we find these words of this man that Esther sends out. He is given to her by the king, and now she confesses in, in Esther chapter uh, 4, verse 5. It says, Then call Esther, and she knew who she wanted. one of the king's chamberlains this is my husband's friend that he gave me to help take care of me now if there are other reasons he gave him that's irrelevant because right now he's going to do my bidding and he appointed to attend to her and he gave and gave him a commandment to mordecai to know what it was and why it was i need to understand this 
So Hattach went forth to Mordecai into the street of the city, which was before the king's gate. I wonder how long it's been since this man has been here. He's a very important person. How long has it been since he's been out in the streets with regular folk? But he went when he was asked to go. Now there are two, uh, two uh, parables about sending out to get people to come in. One of them says he sent his servant, and the other one said he sent his servants. Now his servants couldn't compel, but the servant can. The Holy Spirit can compel. We can only beg, but cannot compel. All right. Now, what does Mordecai go say when he gets out there? And Mordecai told him all that had happened unto him. And the sum of the money that Haman had promised to pay to the king's treasury for the Jews to destroy them. And he gave him the copy of the writing of the decree that was given to Shushan to destroy them, to show it unto Esther. All right. Now that's why you are in sackcloth and ashes. That's why you are where you are. And he takes this back to Esther. Mordecai told him all. What happened to him, the money promised by Haman to destroy the Jews, and he gave Hattach the copy of the writing to show it to Esther, to declare it to her. What's it going to say? It says, gave him a copy of the writing of the decree that was given at Shushan to destroy them, to show it unto Esther, and to declare it unto her, and to charge her that she should go unto the king and make supplication unto him, and to make request before him for the people. And guess what? This servant went back with the report. No lies, no misconceptions, no thoughts that he had. Mordecai is out there faking it. Uh, don't worry about it. He came back with the exact report that Mordecai had. How glorious this man is and what a statement he makes about someone we depend on so much. The Holy Spirit to bring the correct report, to share with us the correct report, the truth of the gospel, to share with us when we're stumbling through a passage of scripture and we say, Lord, what is this? And the Holy Spirit will say, it always declares Christ. Now we've often said, we know what it doesn't say. We're not going to go there. It doesn't say something dishonorable about the Lord. It's always going to say something honorable. And if it's misunderstood, it's our misunderstanding, and it's not the misunderstanding of the Holy Spirit. So Haman comes, or uh, Hattach comes back with a copy and shares that. He goes in. Hattach came and told Esther the words of Mordecai. Again, Esther spake unto Hattach and gave him commandment unto Mordecai, all the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces do know that whatsoever, whether man or woman, shall come unto the king into the inner court who is not called, there is one law to his to put him to death except such 
to whom the king would hold out the golden scepter, and he may live. But I have not seen, I have not been called to come into the king's, unto the king these 30 days. I haven't seen him for 30 days. Well, she takes that message back out to Mordecai, or through him, and he says, you've been here for such a time as this. Now, I would like to take you in closing to those two passages of scripture over in the book of Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. The parable that the Lord used about inviting people to the wedding feast. In the book of Matthew, chapter 22, the Holy Spirit is so demonstrated here. He has the power to do what he said he will do. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are equal in every way. They have different manifestations and they have a different ministry in the covenant of grace, but they are complementary co-equal, co-powerful, co-everything. But we do find out that the Holy Spirit will speak of Christ. He will speak of Christ. We find out, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased, hear ye Him. When we praise, when we honor, when we honor God in Christ Jesus, we are honoring the Godhead. And they're all pleased and thankful. All right. Here in the book of Matthew, chapter 22, verse 8, it tells us, Then saith he to his servants, this is so important, The wedding is ready, but they which are bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, as many as ye shall find, bid them to the marriage. What do we do? Can't go any further than that. Bid them to the marriage. We invite you. May invite them to church. May invite them over. I don't know. But that's all we can. So the servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good. And the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guests, who brought this guy in here? Who brought the guy in there that didn't have a wedding garment? those who sent out to gather him. Can you and I tell? Someone makes a profession of faith. We're going to go on that. Best we can. We can't tell. But when the king saw it, he knew exactly what was going on. And he said, here the king came in to see the guest, saw there a man that was not in a wedding garment, and he alone can do that. All right. Go with me over to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14, verse 17. This time we have this almost identical parable, but there is a servant. Now the word servant and the word servants comes to us from exactly the same word, and that means servant. Sent his servant at supper time to say unto them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all, with one consent, began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground. I must needs go and see it. I pray thee have me excused. The other said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and go to prove them. I say, I pray thee have me excused. 
And another said, I have married a wife and therefore cannot come. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and the lanes, and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house may be full. Now he says that to the spirit, but he never says that to the servants. Bid them. But the Holy Spirit has the power to compel them. And the church is thankful. Now, this man went out and visited for just a minute. How did Mordecai know that this is a good thing to talk to this man about all of his problems? God. I don't know what this man said to him. I don't know if he knew that this was Esther's servant. But he went out and told this man everything that ever I've done. And he went back with the report and shared it directly as it was given to Esther. And she says, you go tell him again. <laughs> I cannot go before the king. He hasn't seen me in 30 days. I cannot go before the king. And this old cousin says, I think you've been brought to the throne for such a time as this. And we're going to stop there tonight and we'll pick this up, Lord willing, next time for such a time as this.